Today, uh, lesson is fitting, I guess, for the close of the quarter because it's uh, the final instructions that Paul gives in uh, the book of Second uh, Thessalonians. Jason read uh, uh, the first section uh, that we'll be studying uh, in this book today. And if you look and notice the introduction, uh, it talks about the fact that we have to live balanced lives. We live in the flesh, and uh, we're surrounded every day by things that are fleshly in nature, but we're also spiritual beings. God uh, breathed into our nostrils the breath of life, and we became a living soul. Genesis tells us in chapter 2. So we're made up of uh, flesh and we're made up of spirit. And uh, we have to satisfy the needs of both without neglecting the needs of either. So your book says that uh, when we seek the proper spiritual uh, care that we need, that will involve doing what? Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 6, 33, your introduction gives you there. And if we do that, if we, if we put our spiritual needs first, what happens then? Others will be supplied, won't they? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, that is the things that preceded that verse, uh, will, will come. Uh, and the context of what Jesus gave in Matthew 6 was uh, the food we eat, the shelter that we need, and the clothing that we wear. We don't have to worry about those if we do what's right. Right? Now, there may come times, hard times to us, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on uh, as we get a little bit further into the lesson. So we have spiritual needs. We need the forgiveness of our sins, and we need uh, the continual cleansing of our sins, and that comes through what? The blood of Christ. That's right. Uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John writes in 1 John 1, uh, that's talking about Christians. And in this uh, lesson today, when Paul is giving his final instructions about those that won't work or are not working or idle, he's talking to his brethren, isn't he? And we'll talk about that also in this lesson today. Uh, your book makes the point that sometimes we become so possessed with things that pertain to this life, physical things, that we neglect to concentrate and, and to take care of the things that spiritually we need, that we need to do. And there's a warning that John gave us, and it's here in your uh, book printed out here in the introduction. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, right? 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Now underneath that, it says it is possible for an individual to be so focused on spiritual matters that he ignores and neglects to take care of the physical things we need. And that's where this lesson uh, in our book today is headed. Second Thessalonians has dealt quite a bit with the second coming of Christ. going exactly what John talked about there in that passage, wasn't it? Concentrating on worldly things instead of spiritual. If we put the spiritual priorities first, then the other be taken care of, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, what got this out of balance in the days that Paul is writing this letter was that these Christians felt like Christ was going to come soon, right? Immediately. Uh, he wasn't going to be delayed long. Might be this week, it might be next week, but it's not going to be 200 years down the road or 2,000 years down the road. So what they did was they sat down and just waited for the coming. Now, when you sit down and you wait, what happens? You don't get no work done, do you? Uh if you sit down and wait, do you get a paycheck? Yeah. Well, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, you know, they just quit work. And Paul says, we hear that there are some who walk, uh, who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all. But they're what? Busy bodies, yeah. Uh, what's the old adage? An idle mind is the devil's workshop, yeah. So they just quit. Now those who are such, we command 
and we exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. You know, that's one of the hardest things, I think, in the church to determine, and Jimmy probably bear this out with me. Uh, you get people who want you to help them quite often, don't we, Jimmy? And it, it's hard to make the decision, well, do we, do we do this or do we not do that? The church is to be benevolent, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, Jesus uh, taught the parable of the Good Samaritan and, of course, the priest and the Levite saw a need, but what did they do? They, they just kind of pushed it to the side and went the other way. And, of course, the Samaritan saw the need and he took care of the need. So Jesus teaches us that there is a need of helping people, right? But sometimes it's hard to make the distinction of whether you ought to help somebody or not help somebody. First off, let me say that we as a congregation here never try to help somebody by giving them cash money. There's been people uh, through the years that have come to us and asked for groceries or money, money for food. We don't give them money. But we had an agreement with Save-A-Lot Management that they could go down and we say there's an allotment of $50 or there's an allotment of $75 or an allotment of $100. They can get anything they want except tobacco products and candies. Yeah. Now, if there were kids, you might make an exception to that. But there's necessities that we wanted to meet and uh, instead of giving the money, we gave the food. Which, you know, we need to feed people if they're hungry, don't we? And, of course, we've had people come to us uh, who have asked for money for gas to go to doctor's appointments in Nashville and so forth. And You try to ask questions to determine if you think it's legitimate or not. And that's hard. Yeah, it's hard to ask the hard questions. Some who come, uh, you ask them, well, have, have you been looking for work, <laughs> looking for a job? The answer to some of the problems is get a job. Let's just be honest, you know. Uh, they're not working. Uh, and, you know, we're seeing a lot of that today. How many places have you been in, let's say this past week, that you saw in the window hiring. And I saw a business this week that said we're closing on a certain day because we don't have any help. Yeah, well, I saw uh, an ad the other day. Uh, in fact, it was restaurant work. And uh, the ad said, $15 an hour, you know. And I saw an interview on TV the other night where this fellow was uh, complaining about what Governor Lee said the other day about uh, they're going to dispense with these unemployment benefits after a certain length of time, you know. 
And this fellow was saying, well, you need to come continue on with that because I hadn't found a job yet in my field. That's what he said, in my field. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I always thought if I was hungry, I'd be willing to flip a hamburger if I had, had to, you know, in order to feed myself or to feed my family. Well, that's one of the problems we got in our society today, I think. This program that uh, was out there, and I heard this as an interview on TV as well. This person said in that interview, why do I want to go back to work? I'm making more money on unemployment than I made when I worked. So what are you doing? You're paying people literally to do what? Stay home and do nothing. Now... Is that what Paul is all about here in this lesson text today? No, not at all. In fact, a little bit later on, he says, if any man won't work, neither shall he eat. Yeah. So, you know, it's a problem that goes back, but it's a, it's a problem that's, uh, that's difficult sometimes to determine whether or not the need of someone is legitimate. Now, we're not talking about people that really need help. They're physically unable to do that. Or maybe they've had a circumstance happen that they really need help, like loss of a house to a fire, you know. And we've, we've helped people who've suffered those things as well. Or buying the groceries, you know. Uh, and we've helped our brethren, and we've helped people who are not church-minded. Uh, and when children is involved, you know you you've got a you've got a tender spot that 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 you want to make sure those kids eat and have the clothing necessary. Uh, proper clothing to clothe their bodies with. So it's, uh, it's hard sometimes to decipher how you handle requests that are made to you. Uh, but anyway, that's what this lesson here today is about. Paul set the example. And his example was that he what? He worked, didn't he? He worked. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden. Look back in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians in verse 9, and you'll find those words. Of course, Paul was a tent maker, wasn't he? Uh, and in order not to burden the church with having to keep his physical needs up, he worked to supply those himself while he provided for them spiritually by teaching them what the Lord wanted them to do. Chapter 3, verse 8 of 2 Thessalonians, Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. 
So I guess it's not unreasonable for us when we deal with people, unreasonable for us in the church to ask them, well, uh, have you looked for a job? You know what bothers me about a lot of the people, and we've had a few that look like this, I guess, when we've been asked, maybe not too many. Uh, I seen a lady come out of a cancer center in Cookville the other day, and I assume she came out by herself and came out the entrance for treatments are made, that she's having treatments. And you know, you couldn't hardly tell the color of her skin for all the tattoos. Arms, shoulders that she was showing bare, and she had shorts on and her legs had tattoos on them. Why you do that? And I've seen people ask for help who've had some as well, and if you can have a tattoo put on and pay for that, can you do something else? Now, you may have a tattoo. I don't know. I don't see any, but, you know, I don't know why people do that. Either they want attention for themselves or something like that, or else I don't think they do that. But if you can afford that, you can afford to buy your groceries, and you can provide gas for your automobile. The way I look at it now, I may be wrong. Hope not. Priorities, that's right. Show, look at me. But again, it's hard sometimes to make those decisions about who you help and who you don't help. Well, Paul gives us the Christian's response here. Uh, some people might uh, think that he's a little bit harsh in what he had to say here, but it's something I guess he felt like that needed to be said. Previously, he told us in chapter 2 and verse 15 of this book, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Chapter 3, verse 6, Paul commanded them to withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. What's the traditions he's talking about? The teachings that they had, that he had taught them. Uh, you know, some did not follow what Paul had taught. And those are the ones that he calls disorderly, right? Now, why did they need to follow the teaching of Paul? Yeah, he was an inspired apostle. And the words that he taught were revealed to him by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So actually, when Paul wrote or when he spoke, it was the word of God, wasn't it? And so when they did not obey what he taught them, they were in rebellion to God. 
Yeah. So it was important that they not forget to observe and follow the teaching that they were delivered by this inspired man of God. Now, the verses that come after that, your book here suggests, indicates that the disobedience centered around their idleness. Chapter 4 of the first book, verse 11, Paul had commanded them to work with your own hands. Chapter 3 of the second book, verse 10, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Well, we've talked about that a little bit. If you want to eat, you got to work. Uh, if you're able to work. Now, we realize that there's, there's some that, you know, are not physically able to work. And we have people of our own number here who are not physically able to work anymore. But we're to do what we can to provide for ourselves. We live in a society today that if we're not physically able to work, what happens usually? We get on disability and we draw a check, don't we? Uh, and, and that's okay. I don't have any problem with that. But we also have to realize that when we draw that check, you know, that's all we're assured for that time, for that month, I guess it is. Yeah, so you got to work around what you've got and manage a little bit, don't you? Yeah, so we have to, we have to do that. I remember when I first started teaching school and, and, and Linda, uh, we were on a 10-month schedule. You got 10 paychecks a year. You got paid once a month. Boy, that's hard. Some of you other teachers may have worked when that happened. I don't know. But you got paid 10 months out of the year. And there was two months in the summertime. You didn't get any money at all. So, you know, you still had a house payment. Still had to eat. You know, still had to do this, that, and the other that, that were necessities. So that demanded that you plan, you know, how you were going to handle those two times that you didn't get a check. And that's hard to do, especially when you're young, you know, and you'd like to spend this and you'd like to spend that. Man, that's been a long time ago. But anyway, you know, we have to budget sometimes, don't we, and plan. Now, I realize that in doing that, sometimes there are things that, that comes up unexpectedly. And we've tried to help some folks who had things like that happen to them, even our brethren here that needed help. 
And that's what we ought to do. But Paul says if we can, if we're able, we need to work. Now, if we're able and we don't, then Paul says if you see somebody like that and they persist in that, then what do you do? You disassociate with them, right? Yeah, you disassociate with them. Uh, they were to work in quietness and to eat their own bread, and he encouraged these brethren not to grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, verse 14, note that person and do not keep company with him. Now, all through the Bible, we're encouraged to be generous, to give liberally to the church. Uh, and we're encouraged to help, help others, especially our brethren. You know, Paul took up a collection for the, uh, Gentile, from the Gentile believers to take back to the Jews that were suffering in Judea. Uh, if you read the missionary journeys, uh, you'll see some of that happening. But his word comes on Christians, on how to give. He said, as you abound, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also, talking about giving. So he wants us to be giving people, but at the same time, he does not present the church as a utopian society where every need of every person is supplied from the purse of the church. And as uh, leaders in the church, we have the responsibility to use wisely what has been given to the Lord. You know, the Christians in Jerusalem got on board of helping the needy in Acts 2. When the need arose, what did they do? They sold their possessions and laid it at the feet of the apostles to be distributed to the needs of the people who were there. You know, that's the only example that we have in the New Testament where people sold their possessions and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, we have Ananias and Sapphira who said they did and said they gave it all to the Lord, but of course they didn't and they were struck dead because they lied. But we don't see any Gentile church like that, uh, like the congregation at Corinth or, or Philippi or any of the others in reference in Scripture doing that. So God doesn't necessarily require us today to sell what we have and give it all to take care of the needs of others, does he? But he does require us to give. And if you read uh, 1 Corinthians 16, that's uh, to give upon the first day of the week. If you read Paul's other instructions about giving in his Corinthians uh, letters, we're to give willingly, 
not grudgingly or off necessity because God loves what? A cheerful giver. Yeah. And that which is given then is to be used uh, and one of the primary goals in the use of giving is what? Spreading the word of God throughout the world. Missions, I guess. There's a place for benevolence, but there's a need for people to be fed spiritually the word of God. And that's what we try to do to help in the spread of the gospel of Christ. Now, the purpose, and our time is about gone, the purpose in disassociating with those that are idle and won't work. Now, we're not talking about can't. <laughs> we're talking about won't. The objective of that is not to push them away but it's to bring them back, right? To the fold of, of Christ. In the day that Paul lived, in the culture that he was a part of, shame sometimes brought a person to their knees. And they changed and did what the Lord required of them. I'm convinced today that we don't live much in a day of shame anymore. Uh, you just think about it. You think about what goes on openly today that 50 years ago, and I've been married almost five years, 50 years ago, Barbara, uh, 50 years ago, you never heard of it. And people didn't want you to hear of it because they were ashamed of what, you know, happened. But I don't think there's much shame in the world anymore. Yeah. Post on Facebook, look at how I'm living and what I'm doing. Look at the drink I'm celebrating today. And, you know, all this is open and, and, and pictures that everybody in the world can see. But you know who sees it that's the most important? God does. And one of these days, those without shame will stand before him in, in judgment. Anymore, shame doesn't produce the results that maybe it did years ago. But maybe it ought to. Paul said we don't want to we don't want to push people to what? But we also don't want to encourage them in the sin that they're in and in the wrongdoing that they're in. We want to bring them back to where they need to be in relation to God and in fellowship with us but the church cannot tolerate sin because God doesn't tolerate sin 
Well, time's about gone. If you look uh, at the latter part of our lesson here today, uh, look at the uh, two applications that are given to you on uh, page 138. Uh, the importance of work, that's stressed throughout all the Bible. And uh, we ought to concern ourselves with brethren that fall victim to sin, and we ought to encourage them, exhort them, and try to pull them back into the service of the Lord. Second Thessalonians, probably the main focus of that letter is dealing with the imminent return of the Lord and the way people have reacted to that. But if you read carefully that book, you'll see that a lot of it is about prayer. Chapter uh, 1 of uh, that book, in verse 2, Paul begins it with a prayer. Later on in verse uh, 3, he turns to thanksgiving. Uh, later on, he'll ask them to pray for him. He comes back with prayer again in this lesson today. So one of the cardinal teachings of the Bible in 2 Thessalonians is that Christ is coming again. But until that time, you and I need to be people of prayer. And we need to work and not neglect our duties in the physical realm, but also realize the importance of things that are spiritual. Let's bow together and we'll close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the beautiful morning you've blessed us with and for the wonderful opportunity that's ours today to be here for this study together. Help us as we study, Father, to meditate upon the things that we talk about, that we remember the scriptures that we look at and that we study, and we pray those things will help us to be the people that you want us to be. Pray you'll bless us in our hour of worship to come. Bless Adrian as he speaks to us. Help us to listen attentively. Take with us the things that we learn here today. And may they help us to be better people of yours. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.